Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week, we're talking to Rupert Holloway, founder of Conquer Spirit. Rupert's is one of those classic stories of someone feeling completely unsatisfied with a stable nine to five job, who can no longer resist the urge to start on his own. In 2014, he was working in a job that he did not enjoy and resigned to begin what would become Conquer Spirit. He's a great believer in confronting fear and using it to achieve your dreams. And he has a lot to say about the nature of work, purpose, and our perceptions around financial security and success. Rupert is a determined and thoughtful individual who I've been wanting to get on this podcast for a while. Last week, I finally managed to get him to sit down with me and talk about his wonderful journey. I do hope you enjoy. Rupert, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for having me, Warren. So, Rupert, you and I have got to know each other a bit over the years yeah. since you started Conquer Spirit. Yeah. And therefore, really keen to have you on the podcast, understand a bit of your journey and a bit of your story, but also some of those fundamental principles and values that you have and opinions that you've formed yeah. about business and being a startup and growing through that startup process to being an established business. So hopefully then we can have that as the course and focus of our conversation today. That sounds good to me. But I suppose we should start from the beginning, shouldn't we? And, and that question that I think you'll probably always ask is about how do you go from being, and these are your words, I think, an uninspired, a bored, chartered... Miserable. <laughs> miserable. <laughs> well, I'll add that one in. So an uninspired, bored, miserable, chartered quantity surveyor to starting a gin and spirit business. Uh, it's a good question. It's a little while ago now, so it's you tend to get bogged down with the with running the business day to day. But it's nice to so yeah to think to think back to it. Um, I think it just boiled down to the fact that so I've always been quite ambitious, and that was um, I, through school that that was a drive to get qualified and go to yeah. uni. And I, I did a biology degree, and I although I got halfway through my biology degree and realised it wasn't for me, yeah, but stuck it out. Got a two one went back to uni to do the construction stuff so there's always a kind of like drive yeah. and I basically got out the other side of qualifying as a quantity surveyor which is a is a big effort it's mm. like a you know an exam once you're in employment and you know I've done seven years I think there's a yeah. chance to there I lit I remember the getting qualifying and just seeing no further targets that made me <laughs> remotely happy do you <laughs> know what I mean like no no further like milestones yeah. in your career um, everyone who was like more senior than me got more and more miserable. <laughs> so, you know, like the thought of becoming a, well, I was senior, but like going on to like, I don't know, director or whatever. I just couldn't see my life there no. um, in that role. And, 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 and just, it just didn't make me happy. And I've, I've always had quite a, 
um, yeah, just I've just placed a lot of importance on the fact that if if you're not happy in your role, then your your life is you know yeah. no matter how much you're being paid, just go do something. It's going it. to be it's yeah. going to be a really troublesome career and have yeah. no real legs. So um, how did how did I make the leap from that? I think it was. Um, I'd seen quite a few of my friends either be just be self-employed as tradesmen or run their own businesses. Yeah. And I just always, in the back of my mind, thought that's for so, me. So do you think you were always destined to run it your own destiny. business? It was destiny. It was destiny. Was there always, like so you talk about drive and a hunger. And was there always, do you think that drive in the back of my mind, even when you were at uni? Yeah. That actually one day I'm going to run my own business? I definitely went into the construction stuff thinking I will use that and... and do my own thing in that field right so it'll but, be a platform yeah i will go that professional have, kind of environment yeah i'll go and have my own consultancy or, or so yeah there was definitely a yeah. appetite for it um and i'd sort of grown up my dad had had businesses you know all through through the 80s some with you know peaks peaks and huge troughs of success and um i'd seen other my other families and um and friends have businesses and i think it just always really intrigued me and it, it just thought yeah do you know what that building something that you can call your own yeah and um and also you know let's be frank like the rewards of that as well yeah. always appeal to me so i i grew or perceived up, rewards yeah perce- yeah exactly so you know <laughs> yeah. people who own the business tend to you know drive yeah. nice cars and have nice big houses yeah. so as a kid i remember because i was we were quite a poor family so i remember yeah. thinking oh that looks good yeah. um so, which actually was funnily enough, drove me into QuantiSphere because that was really well paid. Yeah. And I thought, that's what we get. You get a really well paid job and everything's sorted. And then yeah. got that job and realized it doesn't matter yeah. what you're being paid yeah. See. at all until you, because if you don't enjoy it, paycheck means nothing. So, I recently recounted my story on one of the podcasts. And um, yeah, and I absolutely resonate with that because I got to, you know, Qualified accountant, qualified chartered tax advisor in a corporate firm. Mm. Opportunity of partnership, and looked around and thought, and thinking exactly the same way, Rupert. Mm. This is where I was destined to be, and looking yeah. around, thinking, this ain't me. Yeah. Now I've stayed within the profession and went, well, I'm going to do my own thing, my own way, and do that. Yeah. But you then took this decision, right? I'll get out of construction. Yeah. And I'll go and make gin. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I'd been true to my true to what I really liked and what I was good at, I would have gone into like architecture. Uh, but you see, I, that's the thing. I didn't. I went down a, ro- a route which was I didn't follow actually what I was really good at. Because okay. actually, where, where my role at Conquer now, where I'm best placed, is in brand and design and yeah. creative and very quite the fluffy stuff which around is, concept. Which is and, a big part of Conquer, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So I think if I'd gone down. If I'd been true to myself and gone down that route in in building, yeah. I probably would still be, you know, designing lovely buildings now. I reckon. Okay. It's the fact that I ignored that and put my things in the ears and went down the whole contracts, money, project management kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so um, I was twenty, twenty eight, just turning twenty nine, yeah. and I remember having a really like tearful admission to my, um, I was going to say wife, girlfriend at the time, Emily. Yeah. Um, saying. I just I hate my job. Yeah. I hate my job. I want to do my own thing. Um, you know, despite all appearances, you know, the company car, yeah. the, the senior surveyor title, <laughs> um, I can't, I can't actually can't bear it. This ain't me. Yeah, and it was probably aggravated by the fact that I used to drive an hour into work every day and an hour yeah. back. And I remember thinking I did a whole working day, seven, eight hours, yeah, in my car, yeah, 
<laughs> not being paid. Not being paid. Um, so had this, yeah, kind of like, oh, actually, everything's not fine. Yeah. I'm not happy. And Emily um, said, right, by the time you're 30, you will have quit, you will have handed in your notice and you'll be working on whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever business idea you had. Right. So she gave you the freedom to... 100%. And confidence to explore. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are... She's now... We are now a proper husband and wife team yeah. in the business, actually. So she started working in Conquer when we started having kids. But now she's like key, key part of the management Brilliant. crew. Yeah. But yeah, she's been, she'll claim all the, all the you know, she was <laughs> in, integral every key step of the way. Yeah. But it's quite true, actually. Yeah. And yeah, so she, you know, she, she was a teacher at a local school. And, yeah. she's, and we just said, she said, we'll give it two years. Yeah. This is once we had the idea for the actual distillery. Um, we'll give it two years on my wage and we yeah. didn't have a mortgage we didn't have any kids so it was that was easy yeah relative, you know, relative yeah. to now you can take the risk at that point yeah 100 percent. and so it was which is why when people say oh, how did you take the risk how you know it's such a big leap at the time i genuinely didn't think it was no. because i had a qualification in quanti Svang, which yeah. If it all else failed, and even now I think they'd have me back. I think I think they would. <laughs> just yeah. only just I'd do the tease. Are you employable? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't think I am. But um, and I would be miserable as sin. Yeah. But I still think you know I've got you know those skills. You've got that security. There's something there. That would Certainly be in the first like two or three years of Conquer, I had I was MRICS you yeah. know, qualified, and I could have stepped back. back into it. So the reality is when you actually bought, take out all the emotion of like the risk yeah. and taking a leap and admitting to everyone that you, yeah. the career you've been pursuing for 10 years is a yeah. failure, inverted commas. Um, actually, yeah. the only risk I was facing was, yeah, kind of shame, a humiliation shame. by just shame. taking yeah. a punt and having to crawl back and put yeah. a suit back on. But, but if you're f- afraid of that, then... Well, yeah, business isn't for you then. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah. so... Um, and therefore, it was just you, you know, with a small distillery pot and, you know, experimentation and all of those things. And But what advice would you give to somebody starting a business that you've got grand ideas for, but you're doing it on a... You're bootstrapping it yeah. on a real shoestring? Yeah. So what are some of those lessons that you think that you learned going through that process that would be of value to others, Rupert? Yeah, so I... I yeah, I did not have any money. I, I didn't have a, a trust fund. I didn't have... No. You know, money burning a hole in the pocket, which I thought, what should I do with this? What business yeah. could I put this into? So I, I spent a lot of my time, and I was quite, I remember being quite frustrated by it. A lot of my time was spent trying to find money and justify, yeah. like trying to bid for grants and bid, and bid for okay. like startup loans. So that forced my hand to write a business um, plan, Yeah. do the forecasts. Yeah. But do you know what? When, when people, um, so I'm a big believer that it's better to start with nothing mm. than to start with 100k in your pocket. Yeah. Because when you've got 100k in your pocket, you've got no, you've got no, you've got nothing to prove to anyone. No. You know, you 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 convince yourself you've got a great idea and you go start spending. Yeah. Whereas when you've got no money, um, you've got to demonstrate and convince others that your business case is viable. Yeah. Um, which is the route I went, which means you get this like validation, yeah. Rather than I don't know what the expression is, but you know when you're yeah. kind of but you're not burning <laughs> cash, are you? Not, well, yeah. you? You're making decisions that are very considered because every thousand pounds that you get to spend on the business, yeah, from whatever source it may be, 
you've got to make the right decision with it, haven't you? Hundred percent. Yeah. So there's definitely that. Like you've got less money, and um, so your decisions are probably more careful. Yeah. But really, it's this kind of idea that if you start, bootstraps have this very unique position where they've got to demonstrate to others very early on that the business is a viable mm-hmm. idea. Whereas if you're if you if you've got the cash, you don't really need to go through that process because yeah. you can just crack on. So you could crack on with something which really doesn't have any legs. Yeah. In the opinion of others. Um, so so yeah, um, the advice would be yeah. I mean, we t- touched on the fact that the risk that you no know, leaving the day job actually when you boiled it all down, it wasn't a huge risk because mm. I didn't have kids, didn't have a mortgage, and I had a wonderful partner who paid the bills and I had a kind of parachute of a career that I'd kind of built up that I could crawl back to Um, but yeah I think um, I think the the most important thing when you're kind of like got an idea is that validation thing and I think it's forcing yourself to do the maths forcing yourself to do that if I'm buying it for that and selling it for that this is how much I've got in terms of kind of gross profit, you yeah. know, and how, how, when will I break even? Like really, it's really hard because at the beginning, certainly with me, yeah. I have no idea what gross profit, what even that even yeah. meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, um, and this is why this is why I think so many businesses fail in the early on is because it snowballs without actually the realization of how many how many coffees do I actually need to sell yeah. to pay back that van? The fundamentals it's, aren't there. It turns out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, it's that yeah. the fundamentals aren't there and there's an, not an understanding of the business model and the financial model that sort of supports the day-to-day operations. Yeah. And, you know, that to, to people who aren't in business or running their own business, that's, that sentence you just said there would be like quite intimidating, business yeah. model, financial model, but it's not. not no, <laughs> yeah. It's really not. It's yeah. so simple. And that was the one of the things I learned really on is that business, running your own business can feel like a kind of, um, you've got to, either got to learn it at uni yeah. or inherit you inherit it or you've got you know it's like a bit of a boys club you know it's, it just yeah. feels a little bit like well that's I don't, how do I get into that it's got mystique around it un- yeah, whereas unnecessarily you, it has yeah whereas actually the best businesses you know you hear these like great entrepreneurial stories people they start with a market stall selling something yeah. for a pound and they bought it for 50p and that's it yeah. that's the business case yeah <laughs> isn't it people that's want true. it people want it You've got it. Yeah. Demands. There. There's a profit. Yeah. And it really is as simple as that. As long as you understand that you're making a profit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then and then if, if that's, if those are in place, then it can be a bootstrap because you can just very gradually, organically grow. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what we did. We, we I started on a 30 litre pot still. Right. Which could make like 60 bottles. Okay. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and and yeah and then when I could afford two 30 litre stills we did got yeah. two of them and then we got two 60 litre stills which you know doubled it tripled it again whatever and now we've got a like only recently just installed a 500 litre and wow. it's all been through you know not through investment right it's all organic it's all organic yeah. must be proud of that yeah it's a funny one because obviously it's a bit of a slower route yeah um but you end up with you still end up with you end up you you haven't given away too much equity yeah by selling shares to raise money um, and it's the ultimate validation yeah. of the business case Definitely. that it it's, it's grown organically it's grown organically you'll be able to reinvest back in and you learn so much from that because yeah. obviously to do that you've got to be profitable and so is there anything in, from that kind of aspect that you'd do differently 
when you reflect on the seven, eight years since that nightly moment of I've got to get out? It would be, it would have been tempting to raise some serious cash right. in the in the first three years or so. So once you've proven the product, yeah, once it was yeah, because if you start, you know, if you look for money when it's in our concept, you give away half your yeah. business, and you, it would be so hard to even yeah. find anyone. Um, I, yeah, I mean, an alternative would have been that we raised a million pounds yeah. three years ago. And that would have meant much more muscle in the conversations we're having because we're up against the the big, you yeah. know, the Bacardis, the Diageos. Yeah. And we can throw everything at it and it's like, oh, Diageo had slightly deeper pockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is for like marketing or listing, you know, yeah. listings of supermarkets cost a lot of money because you've got to support it with yeah. uh, promotions and marketing and stuff. So that would help having lots more money in your back pocket. But then, then again, in the same breath, with the business people, what's the rush? The yeah. And what's the rush? Like it's, there's a lot of emphasis on growth, scale, yeah. exit. Whereas actually we, we've, we're growing something that's got real, yeah. um, uh, substance. Yeah. And, as long as and you're enjoying that journey because it is a journey, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of it. There's a lot of focus on exits and actually, yeah, if you um, and I get asked it a lot as you can imagine because people yeah. think people just it's that's the popular it's an assumption that that's where you're going yeah, yeah exactly um, and I just say well um, yeah if you're working towards an exit you're going to be seriously disappointed yeah. because it'll either not come or you'll spend the next 20 years yeah. just waiting yeah. and like <laughs> enjoying the moment <laughs> yeah yeah um, so for me building building the business up to be valuable which if it's so valuable is me working less probably yeah. um, earning good money from it but like not yeah. um, being so reliant on me they're the same thing yeah I, this is the philosophy, I talk to a lot of clients about it the philosophy is exactly the same create a great business that's independent of you and then someone will want to buy it that has an exit value <laughs> yeah exactly focus on the money focus on the exit and you forget all of these things you need to do to create a great business and you never achieve yeah or you don't achieve the exit you should yeah, exactly. Um, and it is, you know, an exit is like winning the lottery in the sense yeah. of the the how all the stars have got to align. Yeah, you know, the right buy. It's so it's not it's not at all. And it's definitely not for everybody. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So once you had the product, at what point did you really switch into the brand? You say now, you know, your focus is and your passion is the brand. Yeah. At what point did that become the priority over the product? It was. It was always. Okay. always priority over the product okay yeah so this is this is why when I the, the idea sort of landed that it clicked because okay. I knew I could knew how to talk about it how it would look okay my customer I was basically selling it to myself I, I conquer is <laughs> it's literally I'm the target audience which is probably the wrong way to think about it but you know 30 something yeah. kind of interested in drink yeah. quality and provenance and spirits what likes to pick a good lager from a local company and yeah. you know that you know takes an interest in it um so yeah so from the very concept it was i was always really aware about the importance of the brand and the and the kind of why of yeah. why why not not what we were doing yeah because lots of people make gin now yeah so the brand and the why and what we stand for yeah. is the key so thing. Again, I suppose I'd ask you some lessons or tips or sound bites maybe around what I think Conquer has is this great tone of voice, this great, you know, yeah. this great personality about brand. 
um, and it resonates, you know, in the market. So how did you go about creating that tone of voice and that brand identity? Well, I think that's... Because, you know... That's interesting, isn't it? Um, well, it doesn't feel created to me. Okay. It's not... It's not um, synthesized it's not something yeah. we've thought much about it's just very honest yeah. and straightforward um so often and a good analogy for this is and I, I bet this doesn't happen but i like to think it does happen is i sometimes when i talk about to the team about what we do um and how you know we're small and that gives us real value around how we can talk to customers that's what people like they like yeah. the provenance of small craft i what I like to think of is a Diageo or Bacardi board meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a great big table in a room and they turn to, you know, the guy at the head of the table says, right, how do we, how do we appear more like Conquer? Yeah. Because that's, they don't have any of that and they've no. got to synthesize it. They've got to create yeah. that. They've got to create that provenance, small craft, yeah. local, flat struck, whatever it might be. Yeah. Everything that we are, Diageo ain't. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so they they've got to and the the brands they work with they've got to install these things whereas all we do is turn the camera on ourselves you know all we do is take a picture of what we're actually doing we're, we're and bottling. stay true to yourselves and, and stay true 100 percent. yeah so it doesn't when you say like how how do we create it it's just yeah it's really it's so I, I call it like transparency is our marketing. Yeah. Okay. Our marketing strategy is transparency. Okay. So obviously in transparency. Yeah. Because um, a, unlike Jazzy, we've got nothing to hide. Yeah. <laughs> God, they're never going to be interested in us after us. <laughs> <laughs> but any, any big spirits brand. Yeah. Good, um, good job you're not after an exit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any big, but you know, they haven't got anything to hide. But in terms of like um, why people buy into. Yeah craft spirits yeah um conquer is like the personification of all those things yeah, isn't it yeah get that um so we've just um i suppose like i like i said but the brand that i've always been aware of that from the outset it hasn't been about yeah making gin as such it's been about sort of creating this why people can be interested in buy into okay but it's yeah it's just um so the first the first bit of marketing i ever did was for Conquer was yes oh, start the Facebook page yeah and I did a post that said I've left my day job yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting up Dorset's gin, first gin distillery yeah follow me that's it and so that's the yeah that's the ultimate and, and example been about that journey since and that's it? what people will buy into yeah so has it frustrated you I suppose it's the same in the beer world isn't it but you know all of these big distilleries and you know, drinks companies have got into sort of craft beer, craft gin, craft spirits, and, and yeah, they're I, nothing I, but. Like I grumble in private. <laughs> you grumble in private. Yeah, I grumble in private when the multi-billion beer, yeah. craft beer brands, yeah, <laughs> uh, launch craft spirits yeah. and market them as such because yeah. it's, I mean, what the the definition of craft is really broad. So yeah. obviously you can't say you can't use that word. I don't mean that. No. I just mean that the market's market's so flooded with what are really, if you dissect them and compare them to the small distilleries, they really aren't. Um, Yeah, so, but you can't, you can't publicly or as a brand start waving around a, you know, a kind of, it's just, it's it's, it is frustrating. You're trying to create, you and others, 
I'm trying to create your space, aren't you, in that market? And then yeah, you don't get the opportunity necessary to create your space. Yeah, because others would like to check books, but perhaps that's just the world in competition. It's just it's just our job. It's just yeah. our job um, in Conquer to show people that, yeah. we're, and we've got an, oh, another work. We've coined this genuine craft. Okay. So genuine craft is you know there's lots of craft, and then there's genuine craft. Okay, that's <laughs> how you've done it. Right. So um, genuine craft basically means that. Um, you know, with a real deal, and and it's our job to show people that. Yeah. You know, through how we, how we how we market ourselves. Um, you know, the word small batch gets put around a lot. Yeah. That means that doesn't mean anything. It can't be quantified, but you know, big, worldwide spirits brand will use the word small batch. Yeah. And so will the lady on the corner making yeah. ten bottles a day a week. A small batch. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. But then, you know, in the same breath, like the consumer is getting more and more canny. Yeah. And they're getting more and more educated about it as well. Yeah. So I'd like to think that, you know, since the gin revolution thing 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it quite an, really quite an ignorant consumer because no, yeah. it was totally new. And now everyone's, yeah. you know, been trained up in gin and understands. Yeah, understands it and sees the brands for what they are and stuff. So. So yeah, that's just our job to... Going back a bit to your journeys, what was your first kind of punch the air moment, that moment of joy that you had in the business, do you think? What was the first moment when you really thought, this is going to work? Well, I mean, our... Um, the, the, the sales in the first year, like, completely outstripped expectations. Right. So the whole business plan was based on very modest revenue. Like, So that is, again, that's like... Test, going back to testing the business like it was literally a case of if it replaces my wage I'm happy Yeah. if in three years I'm employed by Conquer yeah. fine job okay. done because I'm not a surveyor anymore um, and so but yeah it turned out that the cause we spent a whole year before I could sell anything so yeah. I left my day job and it was a whole year before I could sell the first bottle okay. so in that time we built up so much following yeah. that we you know, we went to like food festivals and just gave samples away. Went yeah. to bars and restaurants and top hotels, and they were just saying, "Right, when can we have it?" Yeah. So by the time I could sell the first bottle in April fifteen, I mean there weren't enough bottles. So yeah. we spent the first two three years just chasing, chasing our tails. Wow. So yeah, that that, that in, in simplest terms, like, it was like that, right, this we're is on the journey. Yeah, um, and you know we got. Waitrose listings quite quickly, yeah. M&S listings. Um, yeah, a few, a few, you know, really great wins. So for anybody in the food and beverage industry to get a listing with the likes of Waitrose and M&S is kind of, is seen as a, as a pinnacle, isn't 100%, it? hundred percent, yeah. So thoughts on, hints, tips on how you went about achieving that? Well, I actually think we were, we're pretty rare. And when I speak to most people about getting waitrose listings they yeah. are pitching they're going in they are you know which is yeah. where we are now we're at that stage now okay. where we're trying to like get new listings or get national yeah listings it's long conversation with buyers pitching right at the time they were like we need a dorset gin who's the dorset gin uh-huh. and we yeah. just were the dorset gin so it yeah. just i mean if i'm honest it just landed on our laps. Thing, that moment in time yeah yeah which you know is it's just a it's just a function of the fact that our business was um, was was taking advantage of this gap in yeah. the market, 
Dorset, yeah. that regional space, but also the kind of growing market. So there was a huge appetite in the likes yeah. of Waitrose. So, but that put us in a false sense of security by year four and year five, the appetite yeah. and the, the, the market got very busy. Yeah. And so the first two or three years of Conquer, our sales department, well, there wasn't one. It was simply doing events yeah. to, and marketing, doing social, social stuff. And I suppose I hadn't really thought about that, but you're, you're in that you know, relatively short journey you've had yeah. since 2013. You, you've gone from a market that was immature to a market that's absolutely mature. Saturated. And saturated. Yeah. How's your marketing approach changed as a result of that? Or how's the business model changed as a result of that? Yeah. It's completely changed. Yeah. So year year three, we suddenly realised, oh, what, so sales just don't come flying through the door forever. <laughs> <laughs> so just exponential growth isn't just what is set in stone for me. Yeah. So um, we had to, yeah, the start realisation that we had to build a sales team, um, kind of um, diversify the portfolio a little bit. um, And yeah, actively seek distribution beyond our kind of reach. Yeah. Because, you know, there's only so far, you know, geographically, a Dorset gin, the novelty of a Dorset gin carries. And that yes. was where that first three years took us. You know, we went to every yeah. pub and out to Devon and Cornwall and certain places above. But generally, to get that further reach, you have to actively yeah. get in front of people. So we um, yeah, built a sales team. We got in. We've dabbled um, with um, sort of sales agency type people. Okay. Um, we now work with a, what's called a distributor in the UK, which um, is a is an agency that looks they, they look after a number of brands yeah. so the spirits world have distributors who have portfolios of brands okay. they look after and then they have the big conversations with the supermarkets yeah. or the big pub groups which we just wouldn't even get in front of okay. or if we did we wouldn't know the lingo but is there a good pro quo there you've got their knowledge their experience their black book that opens the doors yeah. but your brand that has this values and integrity behind it so I suppose how do you overcome this kind of positioning that you have, but actually being represented by mm. a distributor. Well, we're 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 the brand guardians, so okay. it's our job to be the the, the brand marketeers yeah. and, and and do that job. Um, and um, so it's just making sure that all your team and your consultants are all you know all part yeah. on speaking from the same sheet, really. Um, and I used to panic that you know a supermarket listing would mean that people thought we weren't small and craft small anymore. Niche craft, yeah. But it turns out that's not true because yeah. well, one thing people like a success story. Yeah. So, but equally, you can have a really amazingly made product yeah. that is every in every corner of the globe. Yeah. Because there's plenty of examples of yeah. wines or champagne. Yeah, exactly. All about, so it's yeah. just our job to yeah make sure we. We honour we honour our roots right. as we grow. And how did you go about again? Because I think for the listeners that are looking to route to market, how did you go about choosing the distributor? Because that must have been a critical decision in that journey. Yeah, and it was actually at, at a time that um, there was very little appetite to take on gin distilleries because mm-hmm. of the fact you know this is when I'm talking. I mean, they they came to the took the reins in um, yeah 
just the beginning of COVID. Okay. So they literally signed up and then they put all their staff on, on furlough. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's quite special. Um, so it all it all strings back to our coffee liqueur. Yeah. So we talked about the gin gin uh, market being saturated and yeah. needing to um, yeah sort of diversify. We launched in 2017. We launched the UK's first cold brew coffee liqueur, which is an amazing product. If you haven't is, tried it, yeah. buy a bottle. <laughs> available in all good bookshops. Um, yeah. Um, so and that was a real deliberate move away from gin. Yeah. You know, we're called Conquer Spirit, not yeah. Conquer Gin. Yeah. So from the outset, it was we're not we'll we'll use the gin wave to become a thing. Yeah. But I remember thinking there will be a gin distillery on every corner. Yeah. Every street corner. So, a market it like a maniac and do yeah. and like be. I remember thinking you've got to do it in a way which you would just hate to be in the follow, be yeah. in the wake of conquer. It'd be you know it'd be a nightmare to have yeah. to compete with. But also like, don't hang your hat on gin. Yeah. Um. So the co- coffee liqueur now we're now like e- easily well we're definitely one of the world's leading brands not in volume but certainly in quality and positioning. Yeah. Um, so we've got we're definitely a UK leader in it. Um, and there's really one okay. com- compar- comp- competitor in the world yeah. I'd say. Um, and that's our, all of all our sales conversations are now led with that. So right. if we knock on the door of the Tesco bar and say we've got a great gin. Yeah. They'll laugh. Okay. <laughs> they'll Have laugh. You seen yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll laugh. But um, the coffee liqueur is so unique. Okay. And it's such a um, again, it's yeah. an un, it's a it's a it's a real gap in the market because it's this premium. Every, every category of spirits had its premium yeah. craft alternative, and the, the idea came from it because I remember going into bars and selling my gin, the, the Dorset Dry, and looking at the back bar, and there would be ten of ten of everything. There'd be ten tequilas whiskies yeah bourbons a thousand gins and then one bottle of Kahlua yeah and I remember just thinking what what is that about how come yeah. and yet, yet yet you can in the same place or down the road buy a flat white yeah for four pounds and it's like hand grown hand picked and people buy into that yeah so the whole mission around the coffee liqueur was to bring the ethics and experience of craft coffee into the cocktail okay which Going back to the distributor thing, they found us because they wanted to represent us for the coffee liqueur. Okay. Because they saw the opportunity, yeah. Right, that was it. That was the... Which, you know, if we hadn't have launched the coffee, there's no way in hell anyone would have approached us because there's gins, you know, gins yeah. a very challenging market and lot most distributors have a portfolio of gins. So, yeah, so yeah that's where... Um, that, that sort and of it was just... Part. It wasn't a... So it really just was... It's, again, it's an interesting conversation for people out there, isn't it? In thinking about diversification, new product, new services. You really just, it was just a kind of lightning bolt moment. Uh, having walked in and out of loads of bars, looked at the spirits behind the bar and thought there's something here yeah. that's missing. Well, I think, um, so when we launched the Dorset Dry, yeah. the first thing people said pretty much was what's next, yeah. <laughs> which was very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> but I could um, ask you that, and it's what's next. Yeah, next. exactly. So, um, and, you know, all, all of our kind of other brands that were doing it, you know, they were launching yeah. uh, slow gins or fruit gins, fruit gins or whatever, yeah. which um, we probably actually should have done <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the short term. Yeah. But actually, we, um, I've always believed that like the opportunities in the gaps of what other people are doing. Yeah. 
because that's where in the gap is. I like that. Your opportunities are in the gaps. <laughs> the yeah. opportunities in the gaps, but it's also where the all the risk is, and yeah. all the failure is as yeah. well. Um, so um, I was just yeah, I still believe now, and I remember saying to the team, it was quite a small team then, about the coffee liqueur, and I still say it now that you know one day we'll say to ourselves, do you remember when we used to make gin? <laughs> <laughs> Fear not, we'll never discontinue our gins. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I do feel like that is our yeah. our golden egg. Okay. I, I do, so I do feel the that one. it's the one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doing really well internationally. It's a, such a point of difference. And I know it sounds, I'm, I'm actually quite a modest person, don't like saying anything like this, but if I'm really, I, I genuinely believe that it's the best coffee liqueur in the world. Yeah. Which sounds mess, crazy. <laughs> crazy as a little Englishman to say that, but it, it really is. Like, there's, it's hard. It's objectively good in terms of coffees. Yeah, they're like some of the best coffees in the world. It's no corners. It's yeah, indulgent. Yeah. It's great. So I just said it. it's so, an amazing product. Yeah. So we're just uh, product speaks for itself. We're going to do a bit more work around um, putting it on a pedestal. It's yeah. been a bit lost in our range. So okay. you're gonna, there's going to be some changes over the next few months around giving it some yeah. space within the range, some identity. Um, which uh, makes total sense and yeah. it's our golden egg but yeah so yeah that's um, that's the, a lot of the strategy going forward so obviously established now do you still fear any sense of failure is there a, what drives you now what drives me now super ambitious I want I want it to be a big thing you yeah know, I want it to be um, yeah, how did you find a big thing well I know it's, it's difficult I don't. People ask me this all the time, like, "What does success look like?" And I really don't have an answer for that because no. it's it's forever moving as well. Like, yeah. you know, a, a success could is for me is a national waitress listing, yeah. and, I, and I'll get that, and then I'll be like, "Right, what's, what's next?" next? <laughs> so it is awful that yeah. kind of drive, and it's it's probably my one of my, you know, it, you've got to you've got to teach yourself to be in the now. Yeah, enjoy yeah. enjoy them a bit of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I think the next the next certainly the next few years is yeah. me becoming less essential in the business, so yeah. less function. At the moment I'm super functional. Yeah. You know, like involved in I'm not involved operationally, which is great. Yeah. So I could tomorrow take two weeks off and yeah. empty bottles would c- come in and the full ones would go out. Yeah. Which is I really pr- really proud of that. Yeah, you should like, be. I mean, a, there's not a lot of business owners get stuck in that rut of not being able to achieve that. Yeah. And how so? How have you gone about doing that? Well, I've built a team of absolute legends who okay. um, who are all completely sold on the idea and 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 um, so the first person I ever hired was a chap called Fred Gamper who. Um, was my best mate at school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Friends in business, they say. Though. I know, I know, but we're we're quite, you know, we're very different. We, we we get along amazingly, but we're also very differently. So I'm the the kind of creative, the person who should be at the kind of helm of a business yeah. like Conquer, and he's the person, sort of person who should be on the on the operational. Yeah, manufacturing. Manufacturing. Looking after. Hundred yeah. percent. All the. Um, all the kind of you know ticking the boxes and making sure we're legal and safe and delicious. Yeah, <laughs> legal, safe, and delicious. That's French job. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it is. So he he was um, or is a PhD in immunology. He was working for the NHS yeah. in like 
um, you know, like a Bloods hospital sort of thing. Helped me on a few events and thought, this is fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just, he's been absolutely crucial. And um, as I say, now, now I yeah, really can leave the function. Yeah. And it's my job now to, I mean, like literally about every week, there's a different, something yeah. different we need to do around direction and how we talk. And that's, yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's and that's the bit that gives you energy and yeah it's the bit that I really enjoy yeah the brand building and the and the, the creative real creative side of yeah. stuff so when you reflect on the journey so far you, you talked about Emily and her the importance of Emily in the business you talk about children now you know what effect has running and starting and you know building Conquer had on family life for you yeah well obviously in the first four years it's incredibly demanding on time and you need a very very understanding partner yeah. but she, you know it, she was always so sold and, and, and on the idea that it was always a you know we we're in it together um but then there's the um what i love about the fact that what i love about conquer is that when i worked as a surveyor i was a surveyor nine to five yeah and then i was rupert the rest of the time yeah. I put on a hat and pretended yeah. to be someone else because I didn't really enjoy it as well, so I wasn't really myself. No. Um, our, our lives and conquer are so entwined; they are completely one. That there's this like feeling of really achieving and doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and Emily, as I said, is so integral to the business. She's probably a bit too integral. Her head explodes a few times when she's got <laughs> yeah. the kids, and okay. yeah. she does. You know, she. It's very easy to to be all consuming, yeah. and I would love to make some hires that would mean she in a funny kind of way knows less about what we're doing so yeah. she can chill well I suppose in a similar way that you now play to your strengths it'd be great to have Emily yeah. playing to hers within the business but some time there for yeah. for you both yeah. to be family yeah we've, we've had a you know with lockdown and, and staff you know had a few yeah. people you know, go elsewhere all the all the jobs that they do fall on the yeah. <laughs> fall on us don't they so you end up doing crazy amounts of work um, but yeah, I, I love I love the fact that you know Conquer is a family yeah. mission, and um, I don't ever feel like I'm going to work really. And that's such a cliche, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't I mean, don't get me wrong. But it's a great place to be. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I wake up in the morning sometimes and think oh, I could not just sleep all day. Thanks, yeah. but um, it doesn't. You know, it's work isn't the appropriate word for it. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, and you know, fingers crossed, it's going to be transforming for the family you yeah. know you know it, it already it already has been in terms of the things we've done and um you know it, but it's it's very exciting it's, it's, you we, we you think quite you, you change your perspective and you think quite big and think oh maybe one day we'll be able to do this yeah definitely. um but so, i just want to get i just i think my mission would be to just become less you know, go down to four days, Less work from home a couple of days. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's every business, every <laughs> yeah. business leader's dream. Hey? I'm 17 years in and I'm still <laughs> yeah. that that's the outcome. Yeah. Um, normally wrap up the podcast by saying, you know, what's the definition of success? But we've touched on that and you've said everybody asks you that. So I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> but I suppose uh, what I'm going to ask you then, having gone through this journey, having reflected on your journey to that point of starting Congo, what do you think are your most important principles both in business and in life? Yeah, nothing, no big, not a big question. No, we're not going to end on a big <laughs> Well, you've got to be happy in what you do, otherwise you're screwed. Yeah. 
Like it so, is like I've got three three young girls. When they ask me, or you know, when they're talking about what they're going to do, I'm, I'm going to be like, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. I, I don't care what you do. Yeah. Um, because life's short and long <laughs> and miserable if you're um, if you're not doing what you love. But not only um, will you enjoy it, you're much better at doing stuff that you love. Yeah. You will make more money yeah. doing the stuff you love. Yeah. It's it's black and white fact. Yeah. So, you know, pursue the things you love. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a lesson I learned at 28. You know, that's yeah. when I realised, hang on a second. You know, there is in everyone there's this drive for for money. Yeah. And I've obviously still got that now, so I definitely wouldn't go to work. Yeah. Because <laughs> we need financial it wouldn't security. Be worth, we need it wouldn't, security. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be the effort we puts into concrete wouldn't be worth it if it was just not going to make any money. Of yeah. course. Um, but um, if I hated concrete, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I 100% would not do it. So, so that, that meaning and core principle is just yeah, yeah. follow what you love, do what you love. Follow what you love and you know, support and encourage people. Like, so all the people I employ when we sit down for appraisals and stuff, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking this. I do not want to employ you unless you're loving your role. Yeah. You know, not, I'm not going to get rid of you, but you know, it's so important that we create a role they love. Yeah. Otherwise, and, and so everyone in the team has got to be empowered and excited about the next six months sort of thing brilliant um, that's a great philosophy I've been, I can get it from the owner's perspective but I don't think I'd ever quite you yeah. know, I, I talk about play to strengths yeah want to play to everybody's strengths because generally that's when they're happy yeah but actually you need your team to love what they do yeah so me being able to go I mean I, I literally could go for a two week holiday tomorrow I never would and I yeah. won't <laughs> and I don't but um, and everything would happen Christmas yeah. would happen um, because not just because they've got all the people in place, but because they actually really do want to be there. Yeah. And like, oh, that's the thing. And they've all got that. You know, they're all they're all sold on the on the concept yeah. and building it with me. So fantastic. Yeah. So Rupert, if people want to know more about you, more about Conquer, find out more about the gin and the wonderful yeah. coffee liqueur, where can they go? Yeah, of course. Our website, which is we're gonna have a new website soon, which will be even better. Um, but yeah, head to our website, pick up the phone, write us an email. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Just or just just head into Waitrose and just buy a bottle of Dorset Dry. Yeah. Go and grab a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and then go to the website. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Rupert. Thank you for being a great guest on Pleasure. the show. Thank you so podcast. much. Cheers, Warren. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvedmembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.